Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 10 of Stat Chasing. There's a lot of interesting developments in week nine. We saw a couple records set. Justin Fields set the NFL record for most rushing yards by a quarterback. Tyree Kill was the fastest wide receiver in NFL history to reach 1,000 yards. Also the also, fastest wide receiver in NFL history. Also the fastest wide receiver in NFL history. And a lot of players who were traded in the deadline last week um, got their first look on their new teams in week nine. So we'll be breaking that down and a lot more this week. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Connor. Connor, how was uh, how was week nine for you in, in fantasy? Any luck with DFS or your season log leagues? Uh, I, I I took a week off. I took a uh, a stress break from uh, from uh, fantasy football or not fantasy football, but uh, DFS kind of related stuff. Uh, just been busy in work. Had a lot going on the weekend, so just one of those. Like, you know what? Like I I I don't want to truly burn out, so so I got to uh, got to give myself a break where I can. But I do have two teams in the top 27 of total scoring in um, best ball uh, in in the best ball FFBC best ball tournament. Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. It, it's ultimately meaningless because, like the team, the team I had that won last year, I think they were like end up being like 300 or something in regular season scoring. So it, yeah, uh, it it didn't really matter. Um, but still, cool, cool that uh, those teams have been scoring so many points. Yeah, that's fun to watch, and I think that's why the the underdog regular season prize is is a lot of fun this year. I mean, I think it'd be even more fun if they gave out prizes for like the top hundred teams. But I think yeah. that's a way to um, make the in season best ball experience more entertaining when you can monitor those leader, leaderboards and um, feel like it matters a bit more. But yeah, like you said, it, without any kind of regular season prize. I think you could almost argue that having like, and maybe this is too galaxy brain, but you could almost argue that having like a top 10 scoring team by the end of the regular season is, is like bad, right? Cause it means you have a ton of the chalky players for advance rates almost. So that's why I think, it, I think these tournaments should have some kind of regular season prize to award teams um, who, who really outperform the regular season. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an interest. I, I always, I, I'm really interested in the, uh, um, Hey, you don't want the player scoring too many points, uh, ADP adjusted because then they'll be really popular. But uh, the the way I always look at it is okay. Well, if you have those players, those players are the guys who get the low scoring players. True. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, and when Will Fuller gets signed in uh, week fourteen, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna gonna be the only one in the tournament with him. Yeah, I mean the Will Fuller stuff is down bad. I mean Deshaun Jackson got signed. Now there, there's all these rumors about Odell uh, signing with teams, and Will Fuller can't even. I can't even find him on like you know random, uncredible uh, sources on Twitter. There's just no, no Will Fuller buzz at all. Um, yeah, that's it's a shame. I, I, yeah, I, I commend his ability to get off the grid with such ease. <laughs> yeah, he's taking. You were taking a stress break uh, for week nine. He's been taking a stress break for uh, two seasons now, I think. So, um, well, I mean, I, I hope all is, all is well with Will Fuller. Um, you know, maybe he does need to take some time away. He's probably made millions of dollars. So, who are we to who are we to judge with whatever he's up to now? He's probably having a good time. Um, anyways, let's let's jump into it with 
the quarterbacks here from weeks one through nine. And for those following along, this is the same chart uh, that you've seen before. We're looking at quarterback passing efficiency and rushing production. On the y-axis here, we have touchdown rate. And on the x-axis here, we have adjusted yards per attempt. So that's yards per attempt, but adjusted for interceptions and touchdowns to reward quarterbacks that have high touchdown interception ratios. At this point, um, we've talked about this chart a ton. Um, not a ton is changing week to week. I, I do think there's there's a couple things worth noting. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time here. I think the first thing that jumps out is Tua um, still firmly in the top right-hand side of this chart. And I think for a while we saw him there and we were excited about his potential, but we kept saying, ah, he's, you know, he's going to regress. He's not going to be ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in, in yards per attempt. But now we have a pretty decent sample size on him. Still, still smaller than those guys. And he is still just absolutely crushing it from an efficiency standpoint. Again, we've talked about this before. I, I really think the scheme in Miami is good. They're funneling all of their looks to Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. They're not overthinking it and trying to incorporate, you know, you know these bad running backs in the passing game. They're not trying to incorporate Trent Sherfield and Cedric Wilson. They're just going to their best guys, play after play, racking up a ton of yards after the catch um, on short passes, and that's working really well for Tua. So, yeah, not sure, like, I have anything actionable to say from a fantasy football perspective. Um, I guess I would be I would be buying Tua as sort of a back-end quarterback one, maybe in the quarterback, like, six to eight range, roughly, um, if there's any, any owners that are still sort of skeptical of Tua, I'm buying him there. But I think it's really impressive, the season he's having thus far. Yeah, yeah. Uh I agree for sure. Uh, seven, well, kind of six and a half game sample size. Um, so still a little bit limited, but the the idea where you can say, oh, he's just on a hot streak or uh, it's just kind of limited. Uh, he's just playing very well. And I think as well, like the, uh, the, the thing where I go away from, hey, it's just a scheme. They, they've had other guys play and, and, and the offense is cratered, so there's clearly he's clearly uh, providing a big uh, boost or value add to the offense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the games with uh, Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater were not nearly as good for the offense <clears throat> for the offense as a whole. Hey, do you know how, how we can how we post a link to the uh, the stream to uh, the Discord? Yes, I can. I can take care of that if you okay, if you want to. Any, any other quarterbacks you want to talk through here while I? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I, the, my first takeaway when I saw this after the Chua thing uh, is how Justin Fields basically looks like if Lamar Jackson played for uh, the Chicago Bears. Um, <laughs> we saw we saw the uh, we saw the clip of uh, Mike McDaniel's shouting at you please stop running the ball please stop running stop scrambling and uh i think that that uh, really uh that captures it where is previous coaching staff and even current coaching staff earlier in the season wouldn't let him do it and 
when he when when he is scrambling and rushing, it frustrates the shit out of the uh, other coaches, which I assume that's what you want your uh, quarterback to do, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is it is bizarre that it seemed to take so long for uh, a coaching staff to embrace Justin Fields' strengths, but it seems like uh, we're we're finally you know, almost at that point. And yeah, I just want to look at, you know, if you look at this chart, you would kind of notice that um, Justin Fields looks like an arbitrage Lamar Jackson, basically. And if you go to their fantasy points totals, I'm just looking at sort of um, an ESPN standard quarterback scoring uh, right now. Justin Fields is at 18 fantasy points per game and Lamar Jackson is at 22. So it's it's close, right? And um, for the price you paid this offseason, I think you're, you're definitely not upset you took Lamar, but um, Fields is definitely one of the the better late quarterback plays. And you talk about what it would look like if, if Lamar Jackson was on the Bears. Um, you know, what that brought to mind for me is the wide receiving cores of these two teams where at the start of the season, it was clearly better uh, for the Ravens with Bateman looking really explosive. Uh, Mark Andrews obviously tearing it up. And now with those two guys injured and Claypool going to Chicago, actually Justin Fields' pass catchers look better, you know, until Mark Andrews returns, obviously. But um, I, I think that that slight improvement in the pass catching core, even though we don't think of Claypool as a superstar, um, I did see, and I think Pat Crane mentioned this on some of his podcasts this past week, that if you look at Percentage of routes in which wide receivers are double covered. Claypool is actually in the top 10 for wide receivers in the NFL by that metric. So teams really view him as a threat when he's on the field, and that can potentially open up um, looks for other players. Now, now, I'm not saying that Fields crushed it from a passing perspective this past week. That's not why he's a great fantasy scorer all of a sudden. It's the rushing. But um, if we see Claypool open up things a little bit more in that offense as he gets adjusted, I think Fields even has a bit higher of a of a passing ceiling than than he's shown this far. Yeah, I definitely think uh, with the new uh, with the new with the shackles being off, uh, you mentioned the eighteen points per game to twenty two points. I, I I would expect that gap to close right to and close pretty significantly. Yeah, I, I would too, especially if Andrew if this injury for Andrews lingers. I mean, the Ravens are putting Deshaun Jackson and James Prochet and all these nobodies out um, at wide receiver. So it's, it's pretty ugly for them. I, I think at this rate, it's, it, it's tempting to overreact and maybe I'm doing this, but I, if, if we see, keep seeing these types of performance, which I think is a reasonable expectation um, from Justin Fields, maybe not like break the slate every week, but strong, uh, strong scoring, He's probably a, a top six guy uh, in, uh, in in basketball next year, right? No, actually, not top six. Yeah. Six round, top six rounds guy. Not in the yeah. Top I mean, I think I don't think that's crazy. I, I mean, I think that you have to say Hurts, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar are firmly ahead of him. Yeah, and then and then there's guys like Herbert, Kyler. Um, you know, some of the pocket passers, Burrow, maybe. But Fields definitely has a chance to to break into that into that range. Um, I'd say top ten is definitely something to project. 
Um, and I'd be interested. I know Underdog last year, they released like a tournament for for next, not the playoff tournaments, but like the the next season tournaments. They released one of those, and that was uh, soft. That was sophomores and um, juniors. So this year, oh, okay. first and second year players, of which Fields is one, um, next year. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that, so. that, that, that I think that will definitely be actionable in the first. Uh, day or so of that draft maybe yeah. the first week but def- definitely seems like a likely inefficiency that you want to take advantage of uh, early yep i agree um only other thing i want to mention this chart that that's maybe like noteworthy is the sam ellinger stuff is really bad and i think it's going to drag down the entire colts um on passing game and you know it's not all on him i will watch that game as a patriots fan the o-line is awful there and there was some hope that i mean that was part of the logic why people thought they went to ellinger over matt ryan was that he was better at avoiding pressure but that's clearly not true after last week and at least you know ryan was not great but he i mean he's throwing a ton of interceptions but he was at least getting rid of the ball a lot of short stuff which created some some ppr scoring for Pittman and, and the running backs in the passing game. But uh yeah, we if you own the best Deion Jackson fantasy performance of all time with the <laughs> Yeah, I I got Deion. I had I think I have four um managed season long leagues. I got Deion Jackson in all four of them. Um and somehow still went uh three and one last week. So so credit to me for stomaching that absolute grenade performance from Deion Jackson. We that was that was ugly. I mean, yeah, we need to check down map back on the back at the helm. Yeah, we we do, and maybe we'll get that with. I mean, Jeff Saturday noted three and seven in his last coaching gig um, as a high school football coach. Really, really strong resume. I trust that he'll uh, pull things together. In, yeah, in I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of funny in a way, and like, there's like no downside to the Colts for doing this because. If it does, if it blows up spectacularly, it's a great tank. Like just uh, hiring the riskiest coach that you can possibly imagine, it is a great way to tank. But on the other hand, it does seem like Jim Irsaw genuinely likes uh, Saturday, and it's like, okay, here's here's your chance. As yeah. like, almost like a win-win, but uh, obviously not. Uh, it it's not encouraging from a fantasy perspective yeah the ursa press conference was was really unhinged it's hard to, yeah maybe he's like a genius and he's doing this on purpose to tank and this is all just a show but um I, i'd recommend people check out the ursa press conference on the saturday hire he he uh shocker he's not a fan of analytics and he rants against that for a little bit um just just overall pretty pretty funny stuff there uh last thing i want to mention i think i've mentioned this a couple weeks but like the atlanta stuff again just continues to piss me off on the volume side because you know Mariota hasn't been great i don't think by any means he's like a top 10 nfl quarterback but again he shows up pretty well here on this chart from an efficiency standpoint meaning that it's not like atlanta has this awful you know passing game you know, maybe you can make this argument for 
for the Giants, and that's why they're so run heavy, or even for the Bears, and that's why they're so run heavy because the passing game is so inefficient. But Mariota actually has not been that inefficient on a per pass attempt basis. So just the absolute, um, you know, burying your head in the sand and running the ball every single play just is even more frustrating when the quarterback is giving you something there. So I don't know. I- I'm no longer like hopeful that Atlanta is going to change. I think we're, we're kind of stuck with this attack, but um, I just my, my only wish is that they lost more games. So uh, the coach might be on the hot seat more, but he's probably won enough games that he's going to see out the season. Yeah. And that division, I mean, they could still, I think they're still tied for first in the division with the bucks. It's, it's yeah. ugly. Um, anyways, let's, uh, Let's move on to some some more of the interesting situations at the other positions. Um, <laughs> Chris really wants to see Ritter. Man, um, sorry, I just want to address that comment quickly. You know, I think it's always fun to wish for the, the rookie quarterbacks, and then you see uh, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett out there, and uh, you realize well, why maybe they're not they're not going to some of these guys. <laughs> But anyways, had to get a little Ritter slander in there for Chris before we move on to running backs. Um, we're looking – so we're going to start with uh, the opportunity, like the snaps and usage chart for running backs first before going into the expected points. And we're looking at this chart here, running back snaps and usage. We're looking at percent of team plays that running backs are getting a rush attempt or a route. And this is just looking over the last five weeks. So – either four or five games played, depending on bye weeks for some of these players. Um, And the chart here is ordered sort of on the left-hand side, the most sort of workhorse-y backs. Um, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, some names you maybe wouldn't expect, like Damian Pierce and Ramondre over there. And then the right-hand side is sort of the more rotational committee guys getting around 40% um, rush or route rates in Melvin Gordon, Daryl Henderson, Michael Carter, those type of guys. Um, so yeah, the achievers in the chat calls out Ramondre. That's where I wanted to start here on this chart. Um, yeah, the achiever. (laughs) Yeah. Ramondre. I think, I think we mentioned it before, but it's really exciting for him. Uh, they expect, so you can see here also expected points per game. He's at 22 expected fantasy points per game over the past five weeks second to only Austin Eckler over that stretch. That's that's really impressive. And um, the routes and rush attempts back that up. Now, Damian Harris has missed some games in there. He, he missed due to illness. Um, he's He missed some other games due to a hamstring injury. Um, but there's still two games in that sample where Harris was active. Um, and you think even one game where he was like officially named the starter and got the first, um, the first snaps. And even in those games, Ramondre is still really popping as a workhorse here. So I feel pretty confident in Ramondre as sort of a low-end RB1 the rest of the way. I think um, the Patriots are pretty committed to him, especially in the receiving game, which with a quarterback like Mac Jones, I think is is quite valuable. Any takes on Ramondre? Connor, do you think back-end like RB1 maybe, you know? I think that's probably fair. fair. Yeah. Uh, that's probably fair. My only, uh, I have just have this niggling doubt uh, that uh, maybe there's like an injury or things going on with Damian Harris that like we don't actually know about that even when he's healthy enough to like play, 
he, he's like not healthy enough to uh to get his his normal full split and mm-hmm. like I, I i'm ready to I'm, I'm i could easily be wrong on this and i'm ready to believe that uh Ramondre is just kind of dusted him but there's just a small bit of, bit of doubt for me that like maybe maybe we don't have as much information on the situation as we would like yeah yeah i think i think that's fair i mean he he did come back a lot quicker from the hamstring injury than people originally expecting the patriots are notoriously guarded about their their injury news so um, remember, if, remember years ago they used to when they used used to be a probable des- designation. Yeah, when they had like a, a, a key player be uh, um, probable, they would put in all their key players as probable, even though they weren't, and <laughs> just to hide them on, bury them on the injury report. Yeah, and I remember Brady. I think there were some years where Brady was either probable or questionable, like every single week with just like knee or like shoulder or something. And they just, yeah, they, I don't know. They're, Bill Bill does funky stuff with injury report there for sure. But yeah, either way, I think you got to be bullish on Ramondre. Again, he, he had a pretty big week last week, even in a game where they gave JJ Taylor uh roll the clip, 10 carries for nine yards. Funny you mentioned roll the cliff. I just realized how to actually roll these clips. <laughs> Should we, should we roll the J.J. <laughs> Taylor clip? I don't think we, we, we've got the, 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 the same uh, leeway to do that on this show as the, uh, the boys on, on the Yeah, I think we might get fired for that, <laughs> pressing that button. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm actually going to – I talked to Pete about this. I'm going to be making a, a new J.J. Taylor highlight clip for his best. So he had 10 carries for nine yards last week. He had a couple really good one and two yard runs in there. Um, so I'm going to be adding to the, to the highlight clip with a couple of those um, awesome one yard runs for JJ Taylor. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's jump around here a little bit. I think the Miami discussion is maybe a good one. Um, Raheem Mostert, so again, this is the past five weeks. This isn't going to automatically update to, to the new situation with Jeff Wilson, but Mostert again here shows up pretty well on this chart from a snaps perspective. He's in the range of guys like Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, Kenneth Walker. That's good to see. Um, if we flip over to the next chart here, we see Jeff Wilson just barely missing the chart. He's at sort of a 40% routes and rush attempts rate. Now, what we should really be looking at for those these two guys is what happened last week because that's the most relevant. Right, that's data the most relevant information we have. Yeah, and what what happened last week is Jeff Wilson actually outsnapped Mostert. Uh, he had twenty eight snaps, so Mostert's twenty six. We saw him slightly edge Mostert in routes run, thirteen to twelve. Um, out, he got more targets than him, three to one. Same amount of carries, they both got nine. So, and I think from watching this game, I I don't have the data on this. I think Mostert was sort of the clear lead in the first half, and then Wilson like took over in the second half. And it's not like it was a blowout; um, it was a close game throughout. So, I'm reading that as either a, a small injury to Mostert that kept him limited, but probably more likely that that Wilson is going to become the guy here going forward. And yeah, I'm willing to be aggressive here, and I would immediately relegate Mostert to sort of, you know, around running back 
35 to, to 45 range weekly. And I would put Wilson maybe closer to running back 20 to 25. This is me kind of, kind of winging my ranks, but I think you get the general point here. I, I would some almost immediately flip uh, Wilson and Mostert after that one week performance. Are, are you on the same page there or are you more hesitant to do that? Um, so I, yeah, yeah, I think you do have to react pretty quickly to uh, the new information. Um, I, I know we, we kind of like had a conversation uh, off air uh, where I, I, I had talked that um, the fact that Jeff Wilson has played in a version of this offense since yep. he's in the league would give him a huge jump start mm-hmm. on the playbook stuff. Um, but kind of immediately being 50-50, I, 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 don't think, I, I don't think anybody had that in, uh, in the cards. And it, I think you should have a pretty decent bias towards um, that being a starting point and then it, it turning into like a 60-40 uh maybe even higher uh maybe maybe even more in favor of jeff wilson and uh, well probably base case 60 40 uh jeff yeah um it's pretty small uh sample size um but i do see that uh jeff wilson was also slightly more what well, he, he had a he was more efficient and um, they had they both had similar uh efficiency in terms of getting touchdowns versus how much was expected but uh jeff wilson he uh he had more receiving yards than expected and he also had uh more rushing yards than expected whereas uh raheem was negative on both of those so Mm -hmm. i mean that's super sample size but i guess it is something that jeff wilson basically outplayed him as well yeah, and it's something that, like, I, I don't want to rely too much on this, but it's, it's definitely something that the eye test backs up. If you just watch either of these guys this season, um, Wilson has had some runs in San Francisco where it looks like he's shot out of a cannon. Uh, Mostert, you know, it's it looks like he still has that long speed, but he's not as explosive getting getting through the first layer of the defense. It doesn't seem, and, you know, it makes sense given his age. Right. I mean, he also, in the first couple of weeks, he had a couple of like, oh, he was the fastest ball carrier uh, either in the game or, or he recorded the fastest run. Um, but he, he's that, he's an older guy, so it, it probably does make sense for some of that to like slow down as we head into uh, the the end of the regular and, and, and end of the regular season, I guess. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um Another thing I wanted to touch on was Kenneth Walker, his placement on this chart. Now, if you remember from past weeks, he had been usually showing up on the the second one of these charts as sort of a, a lower snap guy. And then um, as, as Penny went down, he'd sort of been making his way up the chart. But I just wanted to raise the point that his role – is really no longer like the it's not the Rashad Penny role um, that we saw last season or that we saw earlier um, this year. He is not quite like a three down, a true three down back, but it's it's almost like a Joe Mixon situation where he's getting a lot of routes on first and second down and also getting some third down work. Um, if you look at the snap counts here for just this past week and week nine, 
he played 56 of 73 snaps. He ran 21 of 38 routes, so around a 60% route participation rate. He had four targets um, and, and obviously a ridiculous 26 carries to go along with that. So I think this role here is, is truly elite. It's closer to Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook than it is, um, you know, Rashad so, Penny of years past. Um, and I'm, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You just have something to say there. Um, so just looking at um, the last three weeks, uh, if you combine his uh, – uh, his routes and uh, rush attempts, that's 64% of uh, the team's total plays. And we, I, I've got the top as uh, Saquon Barkley being 67 and Ek- Austin Eckler being 67. So true, like, in, in today's NFL, true workhorse. Yeah. I, I would true, yeah, true workhorse and on a good, a good offense too. Like, I don't think this – Geno Smith stuff is fluky anymore. I think it's safe to project them as like a, a top half, um, you know, even top third NFL offense the rest of the way. So yeah, the, the, like anybody who's saying, oh, you should sell high and Kenneth Walker, he's done this all in efficiency. They're not paying attention to how his role has grown. And if you're going to nitpick him for Travis Homer, you know, getting 20 snaps, you're, you're not really paying attention to the fact that every running, every running back loses snaps to somebody right and right like, yeah his role is truly losing snaps to somebody there's 32 yeah. percent of the new york giants plays uh saquon barkley is not on the field and and he's uh or sorry 33 percent and he he's the top snap guy uh based on on this data yeah yeah exactly so uh, you know that's why i think this chart is helpful it, it puts it in context it's, it's sometimes you see oh Travis Homer got a third of the snaps. Is that bad? No. Like once you put it in context of what every other running back in the league is looking like, you realize that, oh, that's actually really bullish. So um, I'd be taking Kenneth Walker, like, again, sort of winging it. Um, I think ahead of Ramondre, probably like RB, I'd have to actually list running backs out, but something like RB7 or or RB8 the rest of the way. You know, I think I'd take Eckler, Henry, um, Barkley, McCaffrey, Camara, maybe one or two other guys ahead of him. But once you sort of get past those elite guys, I think he's right right up there in sort of the RB6 to 9 range. Probably. Right. Um, like he, I, he's, he probably doesn't have like the double-double where like 10 point, over 10 points expected rushing points and over 10 points expected uh, receiving points. But uh, over uh, the last three weeks, he has got – let me see. He's got 17 expected points per game and uh, six points over expected. So like that's not that's not really your 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 25 points a game. Uh, like you 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 burn down the world if, even if you draft him in the first round, but that is like that's uh really, really strong. Yeah. I I agree with that for sure. The um, there, there's some talk in the chat about JT, so I yeah. want to hit subject on that. Um, yeah, do you have any, any thoughts on this on this question for Jonathan Taylor, or, or maybe just like maybe first before we get to that, talk about Taylor more broadly? How do you sort of see his rest of season outlook? in this Sam Ellinger, Jeff Saturday um, led Colts quagmire. 
Um, well, it does seem like the Colts are going to run the piss out of the ball, right? Uh, that probably uh, uh, does help uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, but he's also injured, right? Um, yeah, high ankle sprain. Uh, whenever you see these injuries that are lingering, uh, and, and and they're kind of like they're kind of like more uh, debilitating injuries, like a high ankle sprain, it lingers. Uh, I become more in the camp of, um, I'm just gonna fade them, uh, and and the logic kind of is there that uh, I would expect the price. To still not properly account for the risk that you need to take uh, with that kind of injury, and you said, and like you said, you still have these issues with uh, Sam Ellinger and the offense and the and the coaching staff, and the fact that they have they don't have anybody on the staff who's ever called an NFL play. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a uh, it, 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 it just it's unless like. I don't even know. It's like, I, I I feel like a dummy like saying that like oh yeah I'd start considering in, like the sixth round or something like that. Um, that's probably too late. But whatever, whatever, wherever I think I think that the uh, the efficient um price on Jaden Taylor will still be uh lower than what other people will pay for him. Yeah. Have you um, charted the snaps of Jeff Saturday's high school games to get a sense of his play content? Yeah, I've been working on it day and night. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me know when you um, – I'm really look, looking forward to seeing that data, so uh, like we, be sure we, to let me know. Wing T, we've got the bone. <laughs> um, the, uh, the quarterback tried to pass the ball, immediately benched. Okay. That, that could be good for uh, for Matt Ryan getting in there. Um yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. But yeah, no, I'm with you on JT. Like, I, I think it's a it's a yearly reminder that whenever there, there's these ankle injuries, I I think you got to just sell low. Like, if you just sold low on Jonathan Taylor right after the ankle injury and got like, I don't Josh know, Jacobs, Josh, yeah, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs. Like, I every year these high ankle sprain guys. Like this happened to Barkley maybe the past two years even. Def, definitely one of the past years with the ankle where like the guy comes back and he's just clearly not the same player. They try to play through the injury. It's an injury that takes a long time to heal from, but guys always try to play through it. They, they re-aggravate it. Like I can't remember a high ankle sprain success story at the running. It seems specifically at the running back uh, position. It just seems so, so hard to come back from in season. So yeah, I'm just, this is a personal reminder. If you know, one of your top running backs is a high ankle sprain, I'm just selling him low in, in leagues where trading's allowed and just saying, fuck it. It's kind of a lost season for that guy. Um, yeah. the We spent a lot of time here. I think I, we should hit on Damian Pierce. That is also a bit of a shocker in where he pops on this chart. Um, he's not like a crazy high. If this was ordered by just snaps. Now, remember, this is ordered by percent rush attempts and routes, not snaps. If this was ordered just by snaps, Pierce would not be this high up because he's not asked to pass block a lot. He's never asked to run block, um, which makes sense. Uh, you know, there's a quarterback like Davis Mills. There's no design runs. Um, but when he's on the field, he's almost always 
getting a rush or running a route. So he's got this really interesting role where he's not a huge snap player, but he's doing a lot of valuable things when he is on the field. Uh, and yeah, his, his role has also grown uh, over the past few weeks. We've seen Rex Burkhead really be pushed to the side. Uh, I think we've seen some like weird one weird like Daria Goombawale game in there for some reason, but um, Pierce's role has really, has really grown. And, and he's a guy I'm excited about going forward. I think a really talented running back. His, his issue, obviously, I think the upside is, is limited by being on the Texans. So I'm not going to say he's a clear top six running back rest of the season. I think he's, you know, probably in the high end RB two range just because of his team situation, but obviously a huge smash for where you drafted him um and yeah i would guess the market is kind of caught up to his value i wish we had some adp data to have like a, a firmer stance there but um he's a guy i'm pretty excited about the only data we really have right now is his drafting salary and uh, he's 6300 um mm-hmm. which seems seems pretty solidly efficient and um, maybe a little bit high because he, he does strike me as like the archetype or the prototype of running back that the market always overvalues. Like, uh, his expected points per game is, like, solid. Um, but uh, even even with that uh, kind of, like, workhorse E-roll, uh, like, he's not getting this, like, huge share of, like, high-value touches. Um, or, or not huge share, a huge amount of high-value touches. Yeah. Where you can really, like crush and uh, he hasn't been efficient plays for bad offense and uh, he's I, I will say when i watch him play i'm like oh that this guy looks fucking good yeah like, he looks like he can play he can really play running back and um, but i i i don't know i'm and, and i could just get like my my face mashed in with this one but i just don't know if he can really hit like uh like sixty three hundred seems fine, but like it's not like, and and probably a, maybe a tad high, but eh. yeah, no, I, I'm with you, and I think like in in DFS, if you're talking GPPs, like he doesn't strike me as like a massive ceiling guy at that price, um, just because the team, honestly, just because the team context, like m- maybe he gets there, he could get there off breaking off some long runs, and. Also, if you do look at his reception totals the past five weeks, he has games of six, then three, then four, then three, and then you know back down to zero last week. So he kind of came back down to earth. But that's a four game of you know five game stretch of some some decent reception totals in there for Pierce. Um, but again, to, to my larger point, and I think to your point, like at that price, he's kind of seems more of like a floor guy, not based on his talent, right. but just based on the team situation there in, in Houston. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Yep. Okay, let's let's take a quick look at the the backup running backs here. Um, don't have to spend a ton of time. <coughs> I think not even on this chart. I, I had a couple notes um, from last week. One for people in deep leagues: Isaiah Spiller um, iced Sony Michelle as the backup running back. I think that was partially due to a Michelle injury in game. Um, I'm not entirely, actually, 
looking into it, I don't think Michelle got hurt. So maybe I'll take that back unless someone can disprove me. I think Spiller just just out snapped him. Um, out snapped him 13 to 11. He had seven carries to Michelle's one. So he looks like the like sort of a classic like sneaky 10 to 50 dollar ad in these FFPC leagues where you can get the handcuff on on a good offense for for pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, the rest any, any other like any other of these guys you wanted to hit on Connor um, um, not a ton here. JJ Taylor on the chart with negative six um, fantasy points under expected. Yeah, that's that's just clearly yeah, um, an outlier. That's clearly gonna regress in a mean. Um, so the last couple last uh, couple of weeks he had minus six, and so just to even it out, he's actually gonna have plus six over the next three weeks. So yeah, they mm-hmm. can smash your JJ Taylor overs smash for uh, fifteen points a game over uh, the next three weeks. Um, sarcasm aside, uh. I did. I, I think we saw the beat report that uh, Rashad White. Um, it was. Like, it, it looked more like speculation to me than like informed. Hey, this is the team said this. Yeah. Um, that Rashad White could flip Lenny, and um, I didn't think that was interesting. Um, I have a a, a home league where, um, of course, I've uh, I I don't have anyone to play at running back, um, so. It's kind of short, short bench. So I, uh, I'm, I'm playing Rashad White until, uh, until I'm proven wrong or right. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I'm hoping that that is true. I mean, the thing with Rashad White is like, he honestly hasn't been that good. If you look at all the metrics, he's been better than Fournette. I, I don't know if he's like he's. I feel like he's got to make a play. Yeah, like three yards per carry net. Yeah, but I mean, isn't I honestly don't think Rashad White's like that much better i forget, I don't have the stat in front of me right now but my, my point is like for this to come true i feel like rashad white like needs to break like a 40 yard run or like i don't know can you like i can't think of a rashad white play from this season like you don't see him on red zone breaking off plays like Fournette's not doing anything either but it's not like white is like playing to this extremely impressive level so yeah we'll see on that I, i'm stashing white in, in so many leagues so i hope it happens um but yeah i don't know um other thing like we saw the return of Cordell patterson that's worth noting. Oh, yeah. i i um, wanted to mention that and obviously very efficient his uh like uh expected point per snap is really high is there. that's yeah. that's not like a, a a metric that we look at but uh it's clearly very high where um he's getting he, he's getting targeted at a high rate and uh, getting goal line locks, um, and that that that's the quarter L Patterson kind of like experience, right? Where they 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 really they look to him to make big plays for the team when it matters, and he 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 scores lots of points doing it. Yep, yep. I think you're back to comf- comfortably starting him. I think yeah, his snaps were a little bit limited in this one. He just played 23 of 61 snaps. You saw a lot of. Algier and Huntley in there, you know, I, I expect that to go up. I expect him to be closer to 50% snaps. Um, and maybe like Huntley is, is the loser there. We will see, but yeah, you hit on all the key things there. It's almost like a little bit like the Ch- Nick Chubb role where it's not a high percentage of snaps. It's not even like necessarily high 
percentage um, share of touches at the running back position. But what it is, is really efficient touches, um, you know, locks on the goal line work um, right. and just a talented player. So you're going to be starting um, Patterson unless you're like, and, and obviously he gets lots of targets as well. So that, that would be a, a difference, but it's yeah. one of those things where like the snap share, it, uh, it, if you are only looking at snap share, the snap share is like biased against this player. And you need to be looking at other data to, to fully get a picture. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, we've spent a lot of time running back. Let's just like maybe one or two points uh, each on, on these expected points charts. I just wanted to make the, the Joe Mixon point that I, I think like if you followed us here, um, hopefully that maybe got you onto Joe Mixon in a GPP last week. I mean, obviously we weren't, we weren't the only people um, touting Joe Mixon's workload. That's not like a unique, unique take to us, but um, it just goes to show that these running backs that have massive workloads, even if they're not super talented, um, they have potential for these massive games. Um, and, and if you look at Joe Mixon, his scoring last week in the bank on the Bengals and, I heard this point from maybe it was um, Sean or Calm on the road of his OT pod. They talked about how none of Mixon's touchdowns last week were like long 50 yard touchdowns, which you usually see when these guys have these explosion games. It was just like a 15 yard touchdown, a four yard touchdown, a one yard touchdown, like all these touchdowns from within 15 yards. Just to make the point that like, you know, when these guys have these massive workloads, even if they're not these amazing explosive players, they can pop up for ceiling games. Um, and I think if you look at the underlying usage for Mixon, you could see that at one of these games was potentially coming. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's sort of my, my thought on Mixon. Um, I don't think a lot has changed. I don't think anything changed for him in usage. I think they just played an awful team and a couple, he got a couple good breaks and things went his way in that game. Um <clears throat> So yeah, that's my mix and take. Any 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 thoughts there, or like any any other of these guys you want to touch on before we go on to and the wide receiver position? I don't think so. I think we hit on like the kind of like relevant uh, relevant points. Um, I guess we could say we're all very disappointed that uh, DeAndre Swift has, has gotten hurt again, and uh, yeah. it's not going to be the DeAndre Swift legendary season. Um, but I, I, I think I think we we touched on what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yep. I I guess one final note. Um, Daryl Henderson. Um, so Acres was back. This Rams backfield, I, I think, is worth talking about because it's constantly in flux. Henderson last week was at fifty percent snaps, but he led the team in carries, which we hadn't seen for a while. He had twelve carries to only two for Malcolm Brown, only five for cam acres um henderson's routes were actually down malcolm brown took a bunch of routes um but yeah i guess my larger point here is that henderson still even with acres sort of disappearance and uh you know re-emergence henderson still seems like the one there um ronnie rivers uh went back to not playing any offensive snaps so yeah, again, like this is going to change week to week, but um, just wanted to give the update on the Rams. I guess I'm still maybe like slightly buying Henderson 
but it's not something I'm super excited about. Um, but he's like, he's a fine flex RB2 uh, play in, in, in desperate spots, I think. Um, okay, let's go to wide receiver now. Um, just to orient everyone to the chart, we're looking at wide receiver opportunity versus fantasy points, and we're starting with wide receivers that have run over 85% of their team's routes. So true full-time wide receivers. On this chart, we have fantasy points per game on the y-axis. On the x-axis, we have weighted targets per route run. So that is targets per route run. So the number of targets you get on um, divided by the number of routes you run adjusted for depth of target. So the low ADOT targets are not as valuable as the targets downfield. Um, because you're expected to get more yards on those targets uh, in fantasy. So that's the chart. Um, we're sort of broken up into these different quadrants here, which we've talked about before. And it ranges from the guys like Marcus Johnson, who are just running cardio um, out there, along with the likes of Paris Campbell and Allen Robinson, to guys like Chris Olave, CD Lamb, Devontae, Cooper Cup, who are earning a ton of targets on the routes they're running. So, um, Connor, I'll, I'll kick it to you. What do you like of these buy lows? I'll, I'll give you a group of guys that's like showing up in this buy low quadrant. Um, these are guys that are earning significant opportunity targets on the routes, but <clears throat> are not really showing up in the box score in terms of fantasy points. <clears throat> so of Drake, London, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, and Brandon Cooks, let's assume for the moment that Cooks is off the field stuff, but let's ignore right. that. Right, he's, he's playing next week in this conversation. Yeah, he's playing this next week in that conversation. Of those five guys, who are you most excited about for for rest of season in fantasy? I mean, it seems you're you're kind of asking me who's the tallest Munchkin. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it's it's pretty obvious. This is the the the, the basket here is like talented wide receivers in offenses that aren't maximizing their talent. Um, yeah. And it's, I, I, I don't it's know. Ugly. Like it's tough. It's like, cause any of these guys, cause like they're, they're so good. So any of these guys can go out and have a, a huge game next week. But as like, what, a human and like one of those like kind of like cognitive biases of like you, you've seen them play uh not poorly but uh produce poorly from a fantasy perspective and you see uh, we've seen their teams um struggle we've seen uh at times quarterbacks struggle and it's like so hard to like envision the uh the game that you need but I, I, I do think any of these guys can, like, go out. Like I said, I think yeah. any of these guys can go out and have a big game. It's just it, – it's really hard to uh, to get excited. Um, yeah. It's, I, it's I some think, of the most disappointing offenses in the league. Yeah, sorry. I cut you off. Did you have something? No, no uh, I think that uh, the DJ Murray week where he, uh, where he got down in price and then he had, like, his best game of the season so far, it's probably uh, – a good like indication of how you need to play this of like whenever these guys get like ridiculously cheap, then they're good place. Don't let the offense push you off 
Um, these are very good players at cheap prices. But other than that, it, it, it's just really hard to get excited. Yeah, it is. It is really hard. I think, like, if I were to make a case for one of these guys, it would probably be Cortland Sutton just because I at least, you know, I think the rust stuff has been pretty bad. That's been well documented, but of the, of the quarterbacks here, you know, DJ Moore, we're looking at PJ Walker, Baker, Sam Darnold for Drake London. We're looking at uh, an offense from the 1940s that won't throw the ball for Deontay Johnson. Uh, we're looking at Kenny Pickett who, who maybe has some upside um, and cooks. We're looking at Davis mills. So, you know, I, I'm just sort of doing the simple, simple filtering for quarterback play. I think of this group of five, I think Sutton and Deontay have quarterbacks that there's at least some hope for upside there. So if I was picking between these guys, I think I would lean towards those two. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The Deontay's like, it's not just this year for Deontay. Like he would probably be in this by low quadrant, like every single year of his, his career, he, he draws targets at an insane rate, but these targets aren't that valuable um, for whatever reason. Yeah. He, he's in a confusing guy, but anyways, I think I would go Cortland Sutton. I think I could see him, you know, having the highest weekly upside if, if Russ could ever figure things out. Um, the rest of these guys, the quarterback and team situation is just even more uh, depressing than it is in Denver. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think you hit on, on the right, the right points there for that, for that quadrant. <clears throat> um yeah, other than that, I think we've seen all of these guys sort of in in similar places all year. I guess I'll kick it to you if there's there's anybody you wanted to talk about. Otherwise, I think it's kind of just a bit of par for the course for Yeah, a lot guys. of these guys are uh, I think we've set remarked on this before. This is probably one of our most stable charts. Yeah. Uh, you make a point one week and then it's the same point next week. Um I think that uh, Chris Olave is probably the most interesting guy uh, in, in the kind of positive portion. Yeah. that he's obviously drawing this really high uh, way to targets per run. Um, the fantasy points haven't quite lined up. Um, but young receiver, uh, relatively young uh, rookie receiver, so very easy to imagine a big game, um. But I see that he is sixty. I think it's sixty, sixty eight hundred on uh, uh, DraftKings. Um. So, and uh, that, that's that's, that's, yeah. that's probably enough that uh, um. Maybe his ownership doesn't get out of control, and that he actually is a good play there, um. Obviously, don't want to turn into like a DFS tout uh, podcast, but just trying to make it market or orientated. Yeah, um, that yeah, that's probably the most interesting um, thing from this chart for me. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the a lot of this stuff is just the lack of touchdowns. He's had a pretty awesome role all year, like a ton of targets, ton of air yards, uh, just the two touchdowns uh, over his eight games played. So, yeah, he's a guy that people might be sleeping on um and again yeah i'm not i'm no dfs town i don't i don't know ownership or anything like that but i'm sort of with you on on the buy low for olave 
Uh, I think CD is is another one that in maybe more casual leagues, you could catch your league mates sleeping with CD. Um, maybe not. He's a pretty pretty big name, and someone probably drafted him high, so they might not be willing to trade him away for cheap. But uh, his role is if he's on the wire. You should pick him up for sure. Yeah, if he's on the wire, you gotta you gotta add him. Um, it's funny you say that. Like, I get these. Noti- I don't know if you play in ESPN leagues, but ESPN sends out these notifications and i know they're like for a casual audience but sometimes they're ridiculous like i got this notification last week that's like why derrick henry is worth holding on to (laughs) your team i was like who who is this for like (laughs) who uh, what what content uh who's the target audience of this content uh but yeah add add cd lamb in all of your leagues he's a he's a must add for me this week um Um, just looking at the uh at last season and Deontay Johnson was actually uh, in PPR uh, scoring. He was the wide receiver seven in points per game. Okay. And yeah. So obviously, hugely disappointing uh, season. Just you thought it couldn't get any worse than uh, Big Ben, and it it really it did. did in a big way. Yeah, that whole narrative of how about like how he was a bit of a product of Big Ben's like failing arm or whatever was maybe true. Um, but yeah, I think he will like he will rebound somewhat. Like I expect him to be, I don't know, twelve to fifteen PPR points per game the rest of the year. Like his target numbers are really strong. Um, but yeah, anyways, we, we've talked a lot about those guys. Let's move on yeah. uh, to the next chart. Maybe some more more interesting discussions we can have here. Uh, yeah. The first thing again, Tyree Kill. Like, there's no way you can buy Tyree Kill low at this point. It, that, I mean, that would be insane. But his his role is like pretty far and away the best of of any wide receiver in the league this year. Um, I think it's getting to the point where I would, I would probably with Cup's injury and how the Rams are looking with Chase's injury. I mean, maybe this is a hot take. I think I would take. I think I would take Tyreek first overall. I think you can make a case for. For day, he's actually he's the most expensive wide receiver on DraftKings. Okay, week. so the DFS market is caught up. I think if we ran some kind of like redraft for the rest of the year, I don't think people. I think people would be anchored to Jefferson Diggs, uh, cop ahead of him. But I think you. I think that Hill is the best asset um, in fantasy right now at wide receiver. Right. Um, the targets are insane. The yardage is insane, um, and the touchdowns I think will will catch up. So I would be ranking Hill every week every week ahead of Diggs, out of Jefferson. Um, you know, it's not with a ton of confidence. All those guys are good. Right. But, um, yeah, that's how I'm looking at Hill for the rest of the year. Yeah, so, slightly you know, of Hill ahead of uh, those guys, uh, I think makes sense. Um, yeah. Can we kill the wide receiver changing teams is bad narrative? Can we can we bury that once and for all? Or what do you think? I, I, think, I think it's one of those things where, like, it really depends. Like I think a lot of that analysis, there was a, an inbuilt bias, like into it uh, before, where uh, the teams that were the sorry the receivers that were changing teams, the teams did not want to pay them for a reason. It was because mm-hmm. like that analysis works great when it's Kenny Galladay, because the team knows Kenny Galladay is not like a borderline elite receiver, whereas. Uh, and and you had like players like Mike Wallace, 
who uh, was not a borderline elite wide receiver and, and got paid like it. Um, whereas Tyreek Hill, even with the move, was clearly, clearly an elite wide receiver. And and our uh, our prior on that should not have changed. And so yeah. it's kind of like, it's w- one of those things where it's like a judgment call. And like, there's uh, obviously going to be, it's hard to make those judgment calls with 100% correctness. Um, but I think that's the way you have to look at it. Whereas like, hey, is this player actually elite? Um, and Tyreek Hill clearly actually elite. Um, you could probably do the same for uh, Devontae Adams on a kind of like smaller scale. Obviously, there's been more disappointment there for Adams. But but he's still been good. Yeah. Yeah. He's still clearly elite. Yeah. It's not like he's this guy where the team won't pay him because they know he's not as good as his stats has been. And, and, and that's I think that's the distinction that you have to make. Yep. I think that's that's fair. And I think there's also something to just like I think part of that narrative was like, oh, it's going to take, you know, the guy a season to learn the playbook to get accustomed to the new quarterback. And like, I don't know what the mechanism is behind that, but I, I think things have changed where players are more easily integrated into new teams. I don't know if like, like they spend more time studying playbooks or playbooks are more similar across teams, but we've seen this with trades now this year in a way that I've never seen it before. You know, TJ Hawkinson, we'll get to him in a bit gets traded midweek, he's immediately like a full, full-time player at tight end, which is supposed to be one of the most complex positions to play. You know, Jeff Wilson comes in four days after being traded, leads the team and snaps running back. Um, Claypool comes in immediately, has a decent role in Chicago. So <clears throat> I think that like there's something to, I don't know if the coaches are just Tom, willing. Are you daring to suggest that fo- the football people, football adjacent people, haven't been a hundred percent accurate in how the game works. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. Um, they're obviously they're always right. Um, but yeah, See, I, I don't know. It, 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 it does seem like one of those narratives where eh, not quite as correct as they w- would want us to believe. Yeah, like I, to be honest, I the, the kind of playbook stuff, and um, like maybe in week one, I believe it and stuff like that. Maybe week two, but uh, I I I think that stuff um is probably a little bit overblown. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, let, let's get back to the players. The players here. Um, I'll try to make this this more actionable and talk about more fringe guys. I think one Traylon Burks. I, I added him back to the start this week. If he's available in any league, he's worth a stash just because Tennessee has nothing at wide receiver. Um, and they, you know, they might want to jump start their offense and get him more integrated than he was early in the season. Um, I think that's one. Two, uh, Darius Slayton, again, for, for your really deep leagues. I think he's a name that pops here as a guy that I think has some talent and there's opportunity there. Maybe after the bye week. Um, you know, we, we saw Marcus Johnson on the last chart as just the, the biggest um, cardio guy in the league. For some reason, get 80, 85 to 90% of his team snaps. You would think a smart guy like Dable is going to make that adjustment and get Slayton up to that range after the buy. Um, uh, so so I, like, I like Slayton as an ad in deeper leagues and, and maybe like a desperation flex. Those are my takeaways. Any any other guys uh, here, Connor, or any comments on either of those? 
Um, not really. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I can't find anybody that we haven't talked about a lot already. Yeah, we, we can keep it going. I let. I want to kick it to you here on on this last chart. So now we're looking at the more rotational guys. Um, so the Packers. Let's talk about the Packers for a second. Uh, Cobb is injured. Uh, looks to be for a while. Dubs, I think, is likely to go on IR with a high ankle sprain. Um, Sammy Watkins is terrible. Christian Watson, they don't trust. Um, Alan Lazar is decent, but I think there's still room for another wide receiver there. Do you have any thoughts on this Samore Torre guy? And, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing his name right, but he, I know is like, if he's French, it's Torre. Yeah, Torre. Okay. Torre. I know he was like an interesting prospect for some people. He came in last week, had 22 routes run on 47 dropbacks, earned four targets. Um, Yeah. Is he a guy that like, do you have any, any prospect takes on him or like, is he a guy that you think we should be adding um, speculatively with all these injuries and underperformance? Um, so I actually I haven't looked at him. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna look up his uh, his college stats now. Um okay. my gut reaction. So um I guess he's a rookie and uh, four year three year uh, he was in college from twenty seventeen uh through twenty twenty one when he played okay. three seasons. Um his dominator rating for his first and, and 2017 and 2019 season are NA. Um, that sounds then, good, right? <laughs> right. That meant it's so high. <laughs> so high, they couldn't even count it. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, as a 24, 23 and a half year old uh, super senior, I guess, um, he had a 32% dominator rating for Nebraska. That's pretty good, right? 32%. That would be like a breakout, considered a breakout. 35% is the breakout threshold. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And for a guy who's that old, like he's almost 24, uh, and it's oh. their only like real year production, uh, it's kind of, I, I would I would lean to have been pretty low. It's like, imagine, the way I like to think about it is like, imagine you get to put your 24-year-old self and compete against like your 18 year old self or yeah. 19 or whatever like un- unless you've gotten horribly out of shape or whatever uh or or i don't know like ha- have uh, have have had issues you you should be your 24 year old self should be dominating your 19 year old self um yeah and he, he was he got the be- like he was a good player but I, I don't think that like points to uh, good NFL talent. And yeah. having said that, um, it it does seem like maybe he's gonna get a, a few routes for the Green Bay Packers. And I think I think though that it's probably more of a sign of how bad the Packers are gonna be than uh, how good he's going to be for fantasy. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, so he was running as the wide receiver three, still had Watkins and Lazard ahead of him who are both healthy. Um, yeah, this is maybe like this is maybe like an FFPC, like $1 ad, I think is fine for Torre. I mean, they seem to really not trust Watson for whatever reason. 
and Watkins is out there just like bumbling around making mistakes. So I could see them giving this Torre guy a chance. I think they're probably desperate enough that they're willing to try anything. So I'm adding him for one dollar. Um, he has some athleticism, yeah. So like that's that's a helpful breakdown of his prospect profile. Doesn't sound like he was a good producer in college. Sort of an older player. He did run a four four three. Um, at the combine, which is is decent to strong athleticism at the position. So who knows? Um, sometimes we get lucky with those guys. So yeah, again, this is probably like a $1 ad um, on teams where you're desperate, nothing more than that. Right. And and, and there's it, in the context of that, the uh, wide receivers generally available on the wire uh, are pretty terrible. So it's like, th- th- this is like a preferred flavor of shit. Basically, are we dropping Sky more for for Samari Torre? Are we that down no, bad? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, I don't know. I might argue for it this week just to just to be a troll on our uh, two and seventeen. I, uh, Rest in peace. I might need to take another uh, mental health week if uh, you start doing that. <laughs> I think I can get one of the of the three guys on my side. I think I could get Pat on my side. Um, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> okay. He's a Let's, dynasty guy, though, right? So maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, man. Sky Moore. I don't even want to talk about Sky Moore. I, I've been, like, pretty anti-Sky Moore, and it's been coping with the fact that I'm overexposed to him in best ball. So, like, I'm not really – my takes really weren't anti-Sky Moore. But, um, man, he – oof. Oof. I, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's talk about tight ends. Let's talk about something more fun. Um Okay, so we're going to talk through the last 15 minutes here, um, talk through tight end utilization and efficiency. Uh, Same chart we've always had. We're looking at percent of team dropbacks and the pass route percentage on those dropbacks. That chart is ordered here um, from the guys getting the most pass routes on the left to the guys getting the least on the right. And we also have below um, the guys' names, we have their targets per route run and ADOT. So you can see... Are they being used more like a tight end down the field, a.k.a. Kyle Pitts, uh, Greg Dulcich, Mark Andrews, or are they a symptom of a broken offense uh, like Tyler Higby, whose 3.4-yard dots usually dro- results in drops on bubble screens? Um, so anyways, that's the general layout of the chart here. Um, yeah, a couple quick things I'll hit on and then... Um, Uh, Connor, I'll give it to you if you have any other takes. One, uh, Foster Moreau continues to be like a full-time player without uh, Darren Waller. He's not particularly talented, so he hasn't had like a huge game yet, but he's certainly somebody you can start as a back-end tight end one in most leagues. Same thing goes for Cade Otten. Continues to be a full-time player with Cameron Brait injured. So those are a couple of the guys that might be in the wire in your leagues that are decent plays if you have to. Um, Connor, any any tight end takes here um, looking at the starting tight ends? Um, I think you alluded to earlier um, TJ Hawkinson immediately. Oh, yeah. And uh, smash, smash uh, roll. And uh, so I, I, I filtered down uh, the uh, a version of this uh, or a table. That's a version of this chart. 84% of the routes. Mm-hmm. And um, I am trying to figure out how to get the. Um, so he had just quickly 30. He ran 37 of 43 routes last week. Um, so, yeah, continue with. 
with Ronaldo. Um, that's really good for his first, first game, yeah. obviously. Um, he what did he get? He got nine targets. Nine, yeah, nine targets on thirty-seven routes, which is very strong as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that's twenty-four uh, percent targets per route run. Um. Yeah. Uh. I uh, I drafted a decent amount of uh, Hawkinson and uh, this year, and uh, wasn't feeling particularly great about it, but feeling very very good about it now. Um, Would you rather have Hawkinson or Dulcich for the rest of the year? Uh, probably Hawkinson. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Just because we know a little bit more about him and have a bit more confidence in the Vikings offense. Um, yeah, and uh, know more about him and more confidence in the Vikings offense. So, yeah, it would be Hawkinson. Yeah. Still very excited about Dulcich, though. Yep. Dulcich looks very good here for, for people listening. He's got a 13.3 ADOT. I alluded to that off the top. And an 18% targets for route run. So the targets for route run is, is, is a middling figure. But when he's being used that far down the field, uh, it means he has a pretty big ceiling because he's being used on, on seam routes to stretch the defense. Um, he's right up there, I think, second to only Kyle Pitts in terms of ADOT at the tight end position. Um, Kyle Pitts's ADOT is at 14.2, which I'm assuming is due to that 70 yard bomb last week where Mariota missed him when he was wide open. So, um, yeah, you can cash in your Sklansky bucks on Kyle Pitts ADOT, his ADOT and targets for outrun is really strong, but it does not mean anything for fantasy points, sadly. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Dulcich in his, in week eight. 114 air yards. So definitely, definitely happy there. Um, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's another thing where clearly a great player. And uh, the per route numbers are clearly great. And um, they just are not, uh, they're just not trying enough for it to be helpful enough. Um, obviously, though, we've seen the games where he does get there and uh, just by being a great player. And he's done that a couple of times this year. And uh, so not a complete write-off, but uh, obviously complete underperformance uh, of uh, ADP. Yeah. Yep. And, and yeah, I, I think if for your dynasty teams, like I'm not panicking Kyle Pitts. Um, I think he, like the talent's going to shine through at some point. It might be frustrating with Arthur Smith, Smith for a little bit. Um, until they figure out this quarterback situation or maybe move on to a different coach. But yeah, he's, he's truly like the peripherals are truly elite. Um, they have been for both his, his years in the NFL. So it's, it's really a volume, a volume, <clears throat> volume issue with him. Um, the last thing before we get to the backup tight ends, I wanted to, to bring up Cole Komet cause he had a big spike week um, this past week with two touchdowns. Um, he had six targets on 30 routes. So decent targets for route run. Um, j- just to raise the point that when these tight ends have full-time roles and Komet has been on this chart as a guy having a full-time role this whole season, they just inherently have ceiling, even if it's a really gross player like Cole Komet. Um, so if you're using this chart to maybe make your DFS decisions, like sure, the targets per route run and ADOT stuff is helpful, but for if you're looking for contrarian guys, like maybe Dawson Knox 
or Jawan Johnson maybe fit the bill there, maybe Hayden Hurst. Like these guys that are just running all the routes for their team have have upside, even if they they seem really gross and you know at a low price or low ownership in DFS, um, they should be worth considering. That's just my take there for sort of the the gross tight ends um, that you know are, are still getting full time roles. They're they're worth consideration. In right. DFS. There's definitely lineups and there's definitely weeks where you have to play a uh, or or not have to play where you, you think about playing the gross tight ends and uh when you have a guy with low ownership but high route share that uh is just a good play right yeah all right we have a little bit of time to talk through our favorite chart the backup tight end chart um i got a lot of dms this week asking if we could look at guys running five to ten percent of the team routes um that is still behind the paywall but that means we still got to talk about exciting guys like trey mckitty um, Zach Gentry, Jack Stoll, uh, Shane Zilstra, um, you know, popped big time last week with the touchdown as the third string tight end on the Lions. So really excited to talk through some of these guys. Um, hey, Sam, are you a closet boomer? <laughs> you love uh, you love these dusty running backs. Love- you love your backup tight ends. And then we're late to the show today because you couldn't get your audio figured out. Yeah, I'm starting to get very suspicious here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I might be. I'd you know I But the audio problems were were very concerning today. Um but yeah, anyways, let's I'm let's try to get tight ends uh segments before I try to start pushing the show off the rails. <laughs> the show is usually off the rails by the time we get to the backup tight ends. Um yeah, poof. This is a lot of a lot of names here. I guess some actual stuff. Uh, thinking through injuries for the week. Um, Evan Ingram got hurt. I don't know if Dan Arnold is on this chart because Ingram had such a massive role. But uh, for FFPC leagues, Dan Arnold is worth an add. I think he would immediately be like a tight end twelve to sixteen range if if Evan Ingram was out. Um, Arnold is a guy that's kind of used as a wide receiver, similar to, to Ingram. He's, he's not a blocker. So he's interesting in the backup tight end range. Um, yeah, the lion stuff, historical anomaly says Zilstra and Mitchell, both of the TDs. It looks like Brock Wright is clearly going to be the lead in snaps there. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not wasting a roster spot on these lines guys. It's, it's sort of a three-way committee. I think Brock Wright will probably get a lot of snaps he had 50 of 62 snaps um so he's sort of the full-time guy but he's not gonna earn any targets so that situation is gross um trying to think of any other things on the backup tight end side i still think chig Aconquo is interesting he had a huge play i think like a 44 yard catch from willis where he did it all himself it was like a screen or a short play that he took for a long gain so yeah it was um, a screen i remember yeah, he's an athletic. He kind of looks like Joe. He basically looks like Johnny out there. Um, he looks super athletic. So, um, fun play for sure. Yeah. But, and Isaiah, we should mention Isaiah likely. He was a full time guy, 52 snaps of 68, 20 of 25 routes. So he tied for the team lead in routes run. I think like a general take, even if Andrews is likely to be back, I think their wide receiver core without Bateman is so weak that 
they're going to be forced into doing a lot of two tight end stuff. We saw that even last week where Josh Oliver ran 50% routes. So I could see likely even with Andrews coming back, staying in sort of like the 50 to 60% routes rate category, which makes him usable and definitely like in deeper leagues, I would hold on to him even after Andrews comes back just for the contingent upside and, and potential like desperation usability. Um, yeah, that's all I got for backup tight ends. Connor, you got and anything? Can I ask you a question? Another question. Yeah. What is that? What's going on with your hair in the uh, thumbnail? Was that a Halloween costume? <laughs> <laughs> that was in that picture comes from, uh, I think, Vietnam. And I was trying on uh, suits uh, and took took some selfies. So, yeah, I don't know. That's back when I had a lot, a lot more hair, like uh, six or seven years ago. I wish, I wish I could rock that <laughs> that look <laughs> now. But um, yeah, you were in hair. Vietnam. Yeah, I was there in college. Uh, I, I did like a trip there when I was when I was in college, uh, studying in Australia, and then did a couple weeks in Vietnam, traveling around. Cool place. Um, but yeah, um, that's where the thumbnail thumbnails from i sent i sent pete a lot of bad selfies uh of me for thumbnails and he finally put them to use today Pete doesn't. Uh, but yeah he just we're talking that's a soft spot yeah (laughs) it was it was a boring week so we had to drive drive clicks somehow with uh with hair um yeah stroke anomalies is buying suits in vietnam is an alpha play yeah a little little life advice last few minutes of the show um i think i got like three suits that were of like equivalent quality to what you'd get in the U S at like a, you know, a decent, a decent shop for like 25 bucks each. So um, if you go to Vietnam, buy suits. Um, If you play an FFPC, uh, don't start James Mitchell. Um, And yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) that's all I got. Uh, Connor, anything you want to plug uh, before we wrap things up? Uh, no, uh, not really. Uh, I write, I'll be writing on Rotoviz this week. Missed last week, but we'll be back again uh, to write about the uh, Battle Royales on Underdog. Nice. Okay. Um, cool. I got, I got nothing to plug. I guess I'll say um, for those listening on audio or watching the replay and video, you can catch these shows live by joining the Ship Chasing Discord um you can find details on how to do that in the description and then also give me a follow at sherman underscore ffb for uh further analysis of these charts and sort of relevant trends from this season from a statistical standpoint i just want to say thanks to the chat as well you guys have been with us all show and really appreciated uh when you guys hang out with us yeah we love having the chat asking questions so um yeah i hope people continue to do that going forward for myself for connor good luck to everybody in week 10 we will see you next week